It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 299, and it is wild card week, so it's a Weasley week of wild cards. And uh, here I am, I am uh, Houdini, and I'm along here side with uh, Stag Party, and we are going to talk to you about the happenings of this Weasley wild card weekend, uh, the first uh, of, the, of the NFL playoffs. How you doing, Stag Party? Good, you know. Uh, playoffs are a time where you could reflect on a lot of things that happened during the season. You know, look back on all the happenings and the why things went the way they did, uh, the trends of the year, and what we can sort of take for that for next year. But also, it's just fun to watch some football without too much fantasy implications, uh, unless you're deeply, deeply invested in the DFS. Uh, I'll be playing a little bit, won't be playing too much, um, and try and not get robbed by the FanDuel Bitcoin game is my whole goal. Well, the thing for me is that it's not even doing just the DFS. I, there are so many different uh, postseason leagues that you can get involved with, uh, many different strategies. Uh, so I'm actually in, in, in a bunch of these different ones uh, where it's like ones where you're drafting against other people and you're basically just – filling as many positions as you uh, like five positions and it's 12 people drafting players and, and, and no one, you know, so depending on where you're picking it, it, it really determines how you're going to go after certain players. Other ones where it's like, if, if you have a player that advances from round one to round two, his points double in round two. So which guy, which teams and players do you want to take from those first round matchups? And the other thing is that it's always, it happens every year. You can usually expect, okay, if, if uh, you had like Antonio Brown, if he was healthy, you would say, of course, I want Antonio Brown. But there's always that one Weasley player. That's why I call it Weasley Wild Card Week. There's always that one Weasel player. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be all of a sudden Martavis Bryant steals points from Juju Smith? Schuster, uh, you know, as, as we get to there next week or, you know, whatever. There's always that weird player that no one's looking at that ends up going off big in Wild Card Week. Yeah, it's always Danny Amendola, it seems, right? Uh, so yeah, there's someone, someone like that. There's always that, and there, there's a bunch of different styles of playoff fantasy you could play. Uh, so some of the major ones are you're selecting a team on a weekly basis. We'll talk about that a little bit here and how we'd sort of fit the guys in. Uh, but also, you know, playoff long leagues, and I know you play in, in a couple different variations of that to where you're trying to fill up your roster or supplement your season roster with a few other players. So is one of your keys there, I assume it is filling out your expected playoff bracket. Uh, that's one of my starting points. How about you? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's that, and it's also trying to figure out which team, uh, you know, that you think is going to go further. Let's say that you're not even in one of my leagues where your fantasy playoffs are still going on. You're just in an, uh, something where you join with a bunch of, of guys, and you're going to accumulate points throughout. So you want to know which team or player has the chance to play in three games, or is there a wild card team that's going to play in four games and you're going to get fantasy points over four games. So you should maybe lean more toward those matchups. And I think what's interesting too, is like when you look at, at what we have lined up for us uh, this weekend, as tends to happen, this is why it's also weird and different players that step up. These are good defenses. You know, we don't have slouch defenses that are, that are going at each other uh, in the playoffs. So, the ability to think that you're going to get that cupcake and all of a sudden you're going to have a Julio Jones 245-yard game, you can pretty much forget about it. Yeah, um, and going along with that, you know, filling out your bracket, making you know, making it your own. So if you think the Saints are going to be the NFC uh, you know, representative, you sort of pencil that out, who are they going to beat, when they're going to beat them, uh, and that gives you an idea when you're doing their projection of projected points. Uh, so, you know, as usual, I think I've got the Saints. Uh, I think I'm going to go for the upset of the Patriots this year uh, with the Steelers, if that's even an upset. I think they're, they've got enough firepower to get it done. So that's how my teams are going to shake out, is I'm going to try to get as many Saints and as many Steelers as possible, go from there, uh, and, and that's going to be the basis of most of my rosters if I'm doing playoff-long uh, type plays. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like where I would, if Carson Wentz was healthy, I would ride Philadelphia, right? I, so I understand where you have with that, uh, the feel for the Saints. But the other team for me, and is, how's it going to shake out, depending on are they going to meet in the second round, is the Minnesota Vikings. And you look at the kind of sneaky production that they're able to put up, and again, how the, their defense puts the ball back into their hands, and with the potential to be playing a Super Bowl at home. Uh, you know, and again, the fact that I think that Philadelphia is, I don't think Philadelphia is going to make it through their first matchup. And I think that that gives Minnesota home field advantage uh, the rest of the way, which should be really interesting. And so if it ends up being Philadelphia matching up against New Orleans, then I like stacking New Orleans and Minnesota players on the other side, on the NFC. Perfect. Um, so that's just generally for the season long uh, or for the playoff long structure. How I like to do that is, you know, make your playoff matchups, write every single one down and then project from there. Um, other sort of formats, you know, we'll have DFS type formats or draft type formats in the DFS weekend. So we'll address those as we get to each specific player. Uh, this is one of the big week of news, however, in the NFL. Uh, you know, Monday of this week is called Black Monday. Lots of coaches are getting axed. We've got rumors galore uh, of coaching candidates, uh, guys getting interviewed uh, for either the head coaching positions or positions on staffs. You know, teams reshaping, you know, their whole sort of power structure uh, from GM down to the head coach or, uh, you know, f some of the lower level guys like the Packers uh, firing their QB coach and offensive coordinator. So now we're going to be looking for guys to fill those voids. So there's a lot of fantasy implications that will be happening. And as soon as we know more, we'll talk about it. 
Uh, the only real coaching thing that seems to be pretty well settled on right now is the groomers are finally true. <laughs> John Gruden is coming out of the booth to coach the Oakland Raiders yet again. You know, it, 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 it's interesting. It's like it seems that that would be the only team that would get him out of the booth. And I, I think that he has to look at it and figure look, there's a lot of good pieces in place, right? He, he must, uh, you know, <clears throat> Gruden's quarterback camp uh, is, is going to make Stag Party feel better about Derek Carr in 2018, is he? Stag, is he going to feel better about Carr with, with Gruden? Dean, you there? There you are. Lost you. <laughs> Go again. I was talking... <laughs> I was I was talking to the ether. I was asking you if you now that Gruden's going to be in Oakland, are you more apt to believe in Derek Carr in 2018? Not at all. Just because you know John Gruden, they talk about him as this great offensive mind, uh, but really he's never really done anything for you know an offense uh, as the head coach. So maybe if he brings in an offensive coordinator. Who's, who's renowned, I might have a little bit more uh, leanings that way. But, you know, they brought in this offensive coordinator to take over the Bucks. They traded multiple picks for him. And he really didn't improve that team's offense. It was just that the uh, the defense was uber, uber good and carried Brad Johnson, even though he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league that year. They still finished just 18th in points. So he, he's not an elite offensive mind. He's been out of it for 15 years. This is going to be something that I'm going to have to see to believe. Yeah, and I think with him, the key is going to be what type of coaching staff he's able to put together. I think the, the early advantage that he has, obviously, is that he has cachet, right? You're in L.A. There are a lot of guys who may be looking at this as, hey, if I want to get that next head coaching job and I'm not in this carousel right now, then you know what, maybe I want to go work with Gruden because it's going to get me a lot more visibility. So it'll be interesting, though. He needs to, he needs to surround himself with guys that have been doing it, in this, doing, it, doing it well over the last five to ten years. Yeah, uh, and his staff has already been coming together. Uh, he's sort of getting the pick of his guys from around the league, uh, you know, sending out text messages, maybe even – you know, calls to the bat signal type pagers that these old guys might still be using. But, uh, you know, he's getting some good, you know, defensive and special team coordinators who are still, like, under contract to come out, uh, leave their teams, and join him. So that's something that's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of coaching moves going on right now. We'll talk about a lot of them as they get settled throughout the offseason. And, uh you know, we'll talk about the fit, how they may affect fantasy, and you know, go from there. But a yeah, lot of and things I, are still up in the air. A lot of things are up in the air, but I think one of the things that you will guarantee the hottest commodity out there, a guy who will be a head coach again in 2018, is Josh McDaniels. Now, it will be interesting to, to see where he ends up wanting to go. Does he want to go uh, to 
does he want to come to Chicago and work with a Mitch Trubisky? Does he want to go to a New York and be in that environment without with either relying on old Eli or, you know, having to, to draft a quarterback uh, this year? Does he want to go to Indianapolis and risk uh, uh, playing, having Andrew Luck not be back and not be healthy or have him there and have that luxury? You know, does he want to go and say, hey, you know what, I'll just go to Detroit and I'll, I'll take Matthew Stafford. He's, He's pretty much got his choice of what he wants to do. And I think that, uh, I pretty much think that where he wants to go, he'll end up, he'll end up, don't you? Yeah, I, there are, there are some great offensive minds out there. It looks like, you know, the market, if you want an offensive minded head coach is really there for you. Guys like John Filippo, Frank Reich, uh, Matt Nagy, uh, in Kansas city, They've all got some real, real cachet from the work that they've done this season. So I'm excited to see how it turns out. Uh, Filippo is a guy I'm looking forward to as a Bear fan. If he were to end up here, I'd be pretty happy with that. But the only question mark with him is we haven't really seen him call plays. But we know this guy you know, is an offensive innovator. He He knows systems and he knows how to put one together and he knows how to sort of shape a young quarterback and, and get things he wants out of them. The thing is, is he a guy who calls the game? How does he call a game? What's his play style? You know, once he finally gets that role, that's going to be a major question. Yeah, I think what's interesting and that's what we'll find out. And we'll have uh, lots of podcasts uh, to go into more detail on this in the off season but the fact remains that when you get those guys, and I find it to be interesting, do you want him calling the plays or because is he actually running the team at that point in time? You know, if you're spending time, you're still can't let go. It's my offense. I have to run my offense. Or are you going to entrust your offense to someone? You know, that, that becomes interesting when you think of a guy like Mike uh, about like Nagy, because you know, the Chiefs were Andy Reid's offense. He was running the offense. They were one and three while he was calling the plays, and then they turn it over to, to Nagy, and all of a sudden we see what happened with the offense from there. Yeah. Uh, let's flip it to, to a couple of prospects who just declared for the draft uh, in the last 24 hours to 48 hours. You've had probably the best running back prospect in college football uh, potentially this year and over the last couple of years. Saquon Barkley declare uh, from Penn State. You've got Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen from uh, UCLA and USC uh, um, declaring for the draft. They're expected to be top five picks in the draft. Uh, you're also expected to see Lamar Jackson uh, declare for the draft here in the next couple of days. So the quarterback market's going to look flush. So if you're not in the market for one, that's good for you. you think about a team, you know, like the 49ers who are going to have draft capital, uh, but don't need a quarterback now with Jimmy Garoppolo in tow. This is the best thing that could have happened for them. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. Other than that, there's going to be a lot more players declaring and we're going to get deep into some combine discussions. Uh, you know, there's going to be senior bowl games and shrine games to be played. And we're going to get to see a little bit more of these guys uh, against some higher touted prospects as well. So we're going to get to see how these guys stack up here soon. Uh, but the, de- the declarations have started. It's good to see. And we'll, you know, we'll get to see that in addition to another SEC championship. Correct. Go dogs. 
Yeah, I knew you'd be happy about that. Let's get to these games, man. Let's cut all the bullshit. We've got uh, four games this weekend on Wild Card Weekend. Starting Saturday at 4.35 p.m. Eastern Time, we have the Titans at the Chiefs. Uh, last time these two teams played in the regular season, the Titans came out with a 19-17 to victory. Neither quarterback threw for a touchdown, but there were some big plays to be had. Uh, Derrick Henry ended up with two rushing scores in that game, uh, while Tyreek Hill was able to bust a 68-yard rush. Uh, I think these teams are two drastically different teams than they were last season on different ends of the spectrum. So that's going to be something interesting to see play out, uh, especially with how you know Marcus Mariota has only thrown what fourteen passing touchdowns this season uh, after you know having a big, big uh, second year. Now let's see what he can actually do in the playoffs. But this is this is a game where lots of different styles are going to be had. Uh, yep. And I just don't know if the Titans are hot enough, you know, to sort of keep this thing going. You know, th- that's the big question. You're, you're having to go to Kansas City and play at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, one of the loudest, most raucous places uh, to play a football game. You know, but when you look at the stats on paper, I think you have to kind of look at it for Tennessee and go, you know what, it's not bad how it w- worked itself out. Would you rather be playing against your division opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars, whose defense has just locked down everything? When you look at the Kansas City um, uh, Chiefs defense, it, let's, let's talk about, first of all, their defense uh, uh, against the run. You know, they were at the bottom third of the league, allowing 1,890 rushing yards on the season. They allowed 15 rushing touchdowns. So this is one of those ones where, you know, I think you can feel comfortable if I want to go somewhere. And, and how is a team like Tennessee going to win on the road? You've got to be able to run the ball. And I think that with, with Derrick Henry, they're going to be able to run the ball. I think that's what they need to do to take the pressure off of Mariota. And that's where they have to. If you're hanging your hat on, on this game staying close or you're hanging your hat on Tennessee winning, it has to be from the run game. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, is it going to be – all Derrick Henry for fantasy purposes, or is it going to be the split of a banged up DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry? Uh, you know, we've seen some rough plays out of Derrick Henry the last couple of weeks, you know, in that feature role where he did seem to lose uh, a lot of positive yards. You know, he had some negative plays, but you know, uh, if it's, if it's in there, if he's in there, it could be another one of these fa- fancy quagmire situations where they're just trotting out the vet, trotting out the vet, trotting out the vet. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it hasn't really worked out. Uh, Derrick Henry, you know, last week did become this team's leading rusher on the season. They virtually had the same number of carries uh, as DeMarco Murray, you know, so it looked like a 50-50 split in the end when it really wasn't like that at all this season. It looks like they need Henry to be the guy at this playoff. That's what I'm, but that's what I think it's going to be. I I think at this point, look, it's, it's their present and it's also their future, right? DeMarco Murray um, has gotten to them and and if he's able to, to, to get in there to at least kind of, offset a little bit so that Henry doesn't have to get overworked. 
Um, but I think that Henry is going to be the one that comes out of this thing with 20, 20 carries, uh, you know, or at least 20 to 22 total touches. And I think that, that the other thing where he'll have the opportunity is going to be in the red zone. And that's where you're going to have to be exploiting it. And that's where you have to look for your fantasy points. As far as trusting what you're going to be able to see from Marcus Mariota and, and in this passing game, yeah, so thinking about the passing game here, you know, for Marcus Mariota, I, I think that this is at least a potential has a chance, a good potential here maybe. You know, the the, the Kansas City Chiefs were not a dominant uh, pass defense. They allowed the fourth most amount of passing yards, 3,952 on the year. They allowed 23 passing touchdowns, and they only had 16 in, – and they had 16 interceptions. You know, so not, not – that's a – it's always been the ball hawking defense that they are, but they have a potential to allow big plays. So who are the players that are going to make those plays? You know, if you're asking me, I got my, my, uh, the gun to my head. I'm definitely uh, going with Richard Matthews. Um, I'll take him for his high end upside potential of a guy who can break out the big play. You know, the one guy that is really disappointing. And I thought that we were going to see a, a lot more out of before the end of the year, which would have made you felt better about a play on him this week would be a Corey Davis. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I'm still definitely leading to respect use. Last time against him, he had four catches for 105 yards. Uh, He's been the big play guy. The Chiefs are allowing the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Nearly 2,800 receiving yards on the season. Uh, so maybe there's room for both of these guys to do well, but if I had to bet on one, it's definitely the, you know, more consistent and productive Richard Matthews. Corey Davis did start making some flashes down the stretch. Uh, you know, I think week 17 was his best game of the season when I, when I watched it, uh, he made some, you know, big plays, but he also made some mistakes, uh, and he seems to be doing, you know, those mistakes more often than you would like. Um, he ended the season with just 34 catches on 65 targets, so almost catching just half his targets. That's not something you want to see. Uh, against Jacksonville, excuse me, he did struggle. It, it was the game before in Week 16. That was one of his best. Uh, against the Rams where he caught nine, uh, six of nine targets for 91 yards. Uh, he was shut out against the Jags in week 17, no receptions on two targets. Um, you know, he, he's been, you know, this up and down player and I just don't think he's a guy you can count on, but is he a guy that can make a play here and there to, you know, be that squirrely type of play? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it in DFS, but if you're desperate in one of these leagues where you have to go a little bit deeper, I, I could see it. Uh, you know, looking at the other guys on the depth chart, Taewon Taylor uh, has had just two targets since week 14. Uh, Eric Decker, um, you know, had a pretty big game in week 16 with 10 targets uh, and, and caught six passes for 73 yards. But uh, uh, he's sort of that low, f- low floor, low ceiling player right now. He hasn't topped, you know, a hundred yards in a game this season, and has just one score on the year. That the upside just isn't there for me. 
Yeah, uh, I, I understand what you're saying, but that's the weasel. That's the weasel. It'll be Eric Decker that'll be the goddamn weasel that's going to score a touchdown, that's going to end up with like 85 yards and just be like, what the hell? You know, when I look at Delaney Walker, you know, people say, what about Delaney Walker? What about Delaney Walker? Delaney Walker has had one touchdown in his last four games. Uh, he has been under uh, 40 yards in three of the games, had 42 yards in the other game. And that's with uh, a healthy amount of targets. He's had uh, that was uh, with uh, 29 targets over four weeks. So I- I'm just I, I-, I kind of feel like, you know, with the whole Delaney Walker thing that the, the time has passed. Um, you know, I-, I look at him against these tougher defenses and I just you just don't see it. I mean, you want to look at him on the year. He only had his, his high game was 92 yards. And then you look at his next best game as far as yardage. I want to say you're at 71. Or seventy six. That was back in week one. So, I, I I don't I don't want to put my faith there either. That's why I feel Decker's the weasel. I'm calling Decker the weasel of this game. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Uh, the Chiefs allowed eight hundred and ten receiving yards to opposing tight ends. Delaney Walker had eight hundred and seven receiving yards on the season, uh, and they each uh, he scored three touchdowns. They allowed three touchdowns. So if you want to pencil in Delaney Walker for 50 yards receiving in this game and then sort of wash your hands of it, I think that's a, a fairly you know safe a four for 50, five for 50 type performance. Uh, he'll get you a little bit. I just don't know if he has any winning type upside. And I don't know if you've got the Titans in an upset here. But no, I'm saying that probably I, I a guy you're avoiding in playoff long leagues. Yeah, if yeah. I'm, I'm not going to put gonna, faith into uh, the Tennessee Titans being able to do that. To, for me, I look at this as, as going to be more the Chiefs are going to pull this one out. The Chiefs are going to do enough on their offense. I, I think what I'm saying is that if you're looking at it for a one-week play, I think that this is one of those opportunities where Kansas City is – the most exploitable defense, I would say them and, and maybe the Rams are the two most exploitable defenses to to go against this week. Um, but again, I would rather have a, I guess it doesn't really matter on the AFC side because the Bills have no offense either. So, <laughs> so if I'm looking for that one week play, I like Tennessee for, for some of these guys to put up some sneaky points. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Let's flip over to the other side. Let's talk Chiefs. Let's talk Alex Smith and his number two overall fantasy finish on the season. Uh, you know, last time he, these teams played, he was able to come away with just, uh, what, 183 passing yards. Uh, really struggled. 163 passing yards. Really struggled, uh, you know, completing just 15 of his 28 attempts against the Titans last year. Uh, it was one of these games where we thought, you know, the Chiefs should be able to do something, and they didn't. Uh, now we get to see sort of a rematch. Uh, you know, Tennessee was able to score 12 points in the fourth quarter in a comeback win to finally win that. But uh, I don't know. I think the Chiefs are a little bit more overpowering, and since Matt Nagy started calling plays, they've been just feeding the studs, feeding Tyreek Hill, feeding Travis Kelsey feeding Kareem Hunt. And, and those are all things that are hard to, you know, sort of look away from. You look at Alex Smith in the passing game, 
And that looks like where they have a good shot to do things as Tennessee is a little bit better against uh, opposing running backs than they are against opposing passers and pass catchers. No, there's no doubt about it. The, uh, the, the Titans are probably the best team uh, playing this week against the running backs. Uh, they allowed only a 3.6 yards per carry average on the year, uh, 1,420 yards on the year with only five rushing touchdowns. So this is where, again, if I'm looking for a one-week play, you know, you, people, everyone, um, we were so uh, the darling of the league the first uh, five weeks, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, started to get his juice back toward the end of the year. This is not a great game for Kareem Hunt. If he's going to do it, it's going to have to be as a receiver. And I think that this game really – really more falls into the guy's hands that you were talking about uh, earlier in the Travis Kelsey and the Tyreek Hills. I think this is where, and, and maybe the weasel play on the, uh, on the Kansas city side would be Albert Wilson. Uh, yeah. I mean, Albert Wilson's a good the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I agree with you there. I do think hunt has a versatile enough game though and some touchdown upside that we've seen over the last week that I wouldn't completely see, you know, sitting on him. Uh, The thing is, how far do you think the Chiefs are going to be able to go in the playoff picture? Um, You know, is is this a team you expect to be two and done, or do they have a chance to maybe upset, you know, uh, who they'd probably be against – Patriots next week, or it's going to depend. Yeah, I guess it, it would. It would depend. I think if everything stays the way it is, then I think they would play the Patriots, right? Um, yeah. and, and the Jags, the Jags would be the team that would go and play against uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, there, there'd be rematches. That, that yeah, you're right there. And, um, and, and, and I, I don't see Alex Smith doing to New England what he did earlier this year. <laughs> Do you think they're one and or one win, two games, and done? Uh, so I'm not going to disagree or dispute you there. Um, so Kelsey looks like a strong play, but when you're stacking up the tight ends, you're probably going to, you know, slot in a guy like Rob Gronkowski over him for playoff for full playoffs. Um, this week, Travis Kelsey, but probably the top tight end on the board though. Um, there's no, you know, real other players that can boast the sort of, uh, repertoire that he has with Ertz and Gronk, you know, in bye weeks. Uh, yeah. and, and then at receiver, you know, Hill has such a diverse skill set that whether it's as a runner like he hurt uh, the Titans last year or as a pass catcher, which he's really developed as, you know, this season, he should be able to make some plays. And we know he's also a versatile, you know, uh, weapon in the kicking game, and and that's something that seems to come, you know, more prevalent in, in the playoffs. A hundred percent. And the other thing that you have to think about, if you're in one of these ones, well, do I want to play Kelsey? If I, well, if you if you lose out on Gronk, if it's one of those ones where you're drafting against people, I, it's not necessarily even a bad thing. You may say I'm going to be two games and I'm probably going to be done with Kelsey. But what Kelsey can do, as long as he stays healthy, if they were to play in New England, and if let's say if you figure that New England is going to have that payback on their mind and roll on Kansas City, the only way for Kansas City to stay in it is to be a, feeding a healthy dose of the ball toward 
Travis Kelsey. So in a loss, he may have a huge game next week if you're, if you're trying to look down the road and projecting them with the win this week. Yeah. Um, I, I do agree that the sneaky play here would be Albert Wilson. I think he, uh, you know, his depth that he provides to the team is invaluable. Uh, and, and it's hard to, you know, understate what that wide receiver two position does for this team. It's really, really, you know, just the top guys that are doing it. But, you know, Wilson, week 17, this guy caught 10 of 11 passes for 147 yards. Uh, he is he does have that upside as sort of that fringe player that can do things, uh, and, and especially against, you know, lesser corners of the Titans. You know, he's going to have some pretty good matchups. Absolutely, absolutely. So, do you have anything else you want to say on this game? No, I think I'm done. All right, well, before we get to the next game, let's go ahead and keep the lights on. So go ahead and listen to this. All right, so we're back, and we're going to get into the Atlanta Falcons uh, at the L.A. Rams, which should be a great game. But before we do, we kind of want to tell you a little bit, you know, we're on show 299 right now. Epic 300 show is coming up, and we're going to be recording it this Saturday. So uh we're going to be by the time that the games actually start on Saturday I have a feeling that none of us are going to be able to be pretty much even walking straight by that point in time uh so so we've got 300 shows right we got to say that they've been an average of 3 hours a piece that's 900 plus hours of podcasting and radio time and if you average that out to $50 an hour that would be nice but i but for all you listeners out there this is going to be a blowout extravaganza i know that we have guests that are planned i don't even know who all of the guests are i'm uh currently going through and trying to compile some of the best uh sound bites that we've had uh over the years on the show and uh this is just going to be it's going to be one of those things where no one knows what it's going to be. It's probably going to end up being like a five to six hour show, I would imagine. So uh, a couple extra 50 bucks for you there, Stags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see there. Uh, you know, flipping over to this game, it's going to be one of the best uh, watches of the weekend. You've got, you know, the Falcons who were the Super Bowl um representative of the NFC last year, and you've got the Rams, uh, who were the surprise team in the NFC West this year, but also a young, hungry team that looks like they have it on both sides of the football and who may have also preferred to be the number four seed in the playoffs. So uh, that's one way to look at it. You know, on the Falcons' side, Devonta Freeman limited in practice today. That's going to be a major factor. Um, it looked like they really, really rode Freeman the last couple of weeks, you know, giving him some big workloads as they tried to solidify a playoff spot. I- I'm worried if he's going to be out there. And if he is out there, how healthy is this guy going to be? Uh, so, I'm I, like, if I'm drafting, now nah, I'm very wary. And he's probably a guy I absolutely will not draft until like my last pick 
what do you think there? Well, I think that makes it really interesting. I mean, um, are you are you do you become higher on anybody else to run the ball? Are you are, is it is it Tevin oh, yeah, Coleman? So was he the guy that if you're looking at, is it one of these things where if you're looking long-term, this is where you worry about cannibalizing yourself, right? If you think that Atlanta is going to win and you want to go, if you're looking for this week, I think it's Tevin Coleman. But if you're looking at, can the Falcons win this week and then win next week? Yes. I think that's potential, um, you know, with this team and their, and the way that they're constituted that is it going to all of a sudden then go to Dev- Devonta Freeman the next week? If he's, if he's hundred percent healthy, which the answer should be yes. So, I think that they become kind of a red flag when you're in the longer term uh, scenarios. But when I look at this game, I hope that if I if I want to pick the one guy, I'll, I'll go Tevin Coleman. And I like the opportunity against the Rams. The Rams allowed 1,959 rushing yards on the year, 122.4 per game. That's the fifth most. They uh, allowed 15 rushing touchdowns on the season as well. So... Um, I, I think that again, when you're a road team and you take a, a dome team right on the road and you got to go play outside, uh, you need to they're be Los able Angeles, bro. Let's not, let's not go there. Well, it's come so on. hard to play in Los Angeles this time of year. No, I, I understand that. But what I'm saying is that you're not, you don't have the fast turf, right? And this is a, a team that when you're, on the road, you want to be able to establish the run. That's why they've been feeding the ball so hard at the end of this uh, season to Devonta Freeman because that's the one that gives them solidity in their offense because I want to flip over to Matt Ryan and what they're not doing in the passing game because you're not getting any of that production anymore out of the passing game. So the, where are the explosion plays coming from? It's going to be the running game. Yeah. Um, the Falcons – you know, we talk about how Sark has changed this offense, and one of the ways in which he's really changed it is he shuffled in a lot of the highly productive running back targets and just shuffled them back to the wide receivers. Uh, and that's given, you know, Mohamed Sanu a bigger floor uh, and more weekly viability. And, and, you know, he was actually a pretty good fantasy player when all was said and done at the end of the season. Um you know, so that it, are they going to funnel a couple more targets, Tevin Coleman's and Devonta Freeman's way? I, I think that's hard to say after, you know, them sort of struggling with it throughout the season. Uh, but we've seen it a little bit more over the last couple weeks, and it, it's worked out to their advantage. They've been a better offense because of it over the last couple weeks. Uh, so, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of Tevin Coleman, if he gets the job to himself with no Freeman, I think he's hard to stay away from in DFS when you're looking at uh, other options in his price range. Um, yeah, uh, that that's sort of how I view the pass game a little bit. I guess the major question is Matt Ryan. How good do you think he could be against this Rams team? I, I don't think all that great. I mean, I, I just want to look at the – I'm going to read you since week 11 the touchdown numbers for Matt Ryan in each game. One, zero, one, 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 one. <laughs> there's, there's no strength in the, in the production. Like if I'm looking at this week, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because you look at like, okay, if you want to pick a quarterback for this week – 
I'm not taking Matt Ryan. I think I would probably take Jared Goff or man, or do I have to go Cam Newton just because of all the running yards he's going to get? Yeah. Uh. Not a great week for quarterbacks. You're not going to get that solid, you know, 300 yard passing games with two, three touchdowns. That's, that's, I don't know that that has the potential for. That's why I'll take golf for that potential, you know. And we can flip it over to that side if you want. I mean, I, I think it is. I think it is golf, uh, you know, in this passing game. And they, it looks like they're going to have everybody healthy and at their disposal, from Robert Woods to Sammy Watkins uh, to Cooper Cup, who was out last week with an injury, and all these guys were basically held out. They've got Todd Gurley, who's killing it as a dump-off option in the receiving game. Uh, you know, two decent tight ends when called upon in Higby and Everett. That uh, They're making plays right now. They're scheming things open. Uh, and, and this is something that should, you know, work out, uh, to the advantage of the Rams. I think they've got a good enough team to where they could pull this off. Uh, you know, these teams did play last year and the Falcons really did, you know, put a whomping on them 42 to 14, but anything the Rams did in the past, uh, with Jeff Fisher at the helm is hard to sort of you know, lay any uh, points to. Todd Gurley was able to score a touchdown in that game, rushed for 61 yards. Uh, if you think they're going two rounds or further, he's probably one of the top options in your draft, along with, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. So uh, if you think they win, he, he's a tough guy to pass on. Yeah, I mean, look, what Todd Gurley did for you in your fantasy playoffs won you all your leagues out there. Um, what did he have in his last three games? It was a, it was a total of uh, eight touchdowns. <laughs> so, 7.9 fantasy points or something. Yeah, I think that uh, my first pick for any player this week will be Todd Gurley. Uh, I think that is, and if I'm looking at it, look, I think that you can make a case that Atlanta can win this game, right? But if you're going to, if I want to put nuts to screws and bolts and all the whole deal, I'm going to take the Rams. And I'm going to say that the Rams, uh, because it, uh, are they the ones that would match up then and then play against um, Philadelphia? Exactly. I think they have a good chance to then advance to that final game. So this is where we were, I was talking earlier, uh, what I was saying, Vikings and Saints players, it, it would actually be, Rams players for me and Vikings, because I think it's going to be the Rams and the Vikings that are going to face each other in the championship game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm a little bit different. I think it'll be Rams Saints, but I can't wait to see it either way. Uh, Let's see how it plays out. Looking at, you know, how you would rank the options at wide receiver. You got any clear preferences there? Is it Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup, or is it a, Shuffle between all three, or unfortunately, because there's been no clear cut option, is it you know tough for you to make a pick? You know what? It's I, I think it's it's definitely tough to make a pick on this one. I, I think that you know, God, do I, I want to say Robert Woods would be my my first pick? I definitely 
uh, have Cooper Cup as my second option. But Sammy Watkins is going to be that guy that he could end up doing it with two catches on the day, right? Maybe two catches for, for 72 yards, and one of them is a 58-yard touchdown. And, and that could be the difference for you. So I'll just say that if I want more consistency, I'm not going to go towards Sammy Watkins. But if I want to go for the, the big potential blow up, I go there. I, I just think that you're going to get much the most consistent play out of Cooper Cup and you're going to get the most potential for targets by Robert Woods. How's that sound? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd probably go Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup, just because when the last time they had him, that's sort of how the targets pecked out. Uh, but, you know, Cooper Cup's a guy in the red zone who's been a preferred option this season. He's got a ton of red zone targets on the year. So if you're looking for a guy with potential to score, uh, that's a hard guy to look away from. Um, you know, with the tight end position, I think this is a team you sort of avoid. Atlanta, you know, when you look at their, you know, safeties and linebackers with Deion Jones uh, and, and other guys back there, this is a team that'll hit you in the mouth. And I, I don't know if I'd play a guy like Higby or or any one of the along those lines, even in the deepest of formats. Um, so that, that's my thoughts on pretty much the whole team. And I do think Goff is, if not the number one QB option on the week, he's up there at number two or number three, uh, you know, among the eight quarterbacks that are going to play here. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I, I, I feel you. I don't really have much else to say about this matchup. How about you? Oh, let's, uh, let's hit the next one. All right, well, this next one is, is this will be a quick game for us because this is the game where you want to avoid. There's really not a whole lot of offensive threats. We have the Buffalo Bills making their first playoff appearance since 1999. Is that right? Yep. 19 years. So that's the longest, uh, thanks to the Cubs, that's the longest uh, uh, drought for a team not making the playoffs. Uh, So they will be facing – the Jacksonville Jaguars and that vaunted, vaunted defense. And you have the potential to be playing this game without Shady McCoy. Yep. And and that's the real factor is, is Shady McCoy out there? Uh, these two teams last played last year in November, uh, 2016. Shady McCoy rushed for 103 yards on 19 carries and scored two touchdowns. Also caught two passes for 31 yards. He was a huge, huge factor. Um, but you talk about the plays in this game. It, it, Marquise Lee is a guy who's still not expected to practice. They don't know if he's going to play. So you're looking at maybe the guys like Keelan Cole and, um, uh, you know, Alan Hearns and, you know, D.D. Westbrook and, and that sort of debauchery and, and sort of Blake Bortles, who's been good or, or he's been one of the best quarterbacks over the last month of the season. But are are you really liking him over these other options? How far do you think the Jacksonville Jaguars can go? Because remember, this is a team that did upset the Pittsburgh Steelers during the regular season and who made Ben Roethlisberger look like he should have retired. Well, look, so I, 
I, I, I think that they absolutely have a chance. I think that they're going to win this game. Do I want to play any of their wide receivers in this matchup against Buffalo? No, I do not. Um, look at Buffalo only gave up 14 passing touchdowns uh, on the season. That's second best to the Minnesota Vikings who allowed 13. So, no, that's not where I want to go. The guy who you want to play and the guy who you want to lean on and you want to say, hey, he'll have a chance to not only uh, you know, do something for me this week, but uh, he'll have a chance to give some fits next week to Pittsburgh is Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, when you look at Buffalo, this is a team that's allowing nearly well, 100, almost 125 rushing yards per game. They allowed 22 rushing touchdowns. So that's the guy that you have to go with. Then you go to, if they gets to the next week, you know, if he plays Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh allowed 106 rushing yards a game and gave up 14 rushing touchdowns. So everything starts with their defense and everything ends with Leonard Fournette on offense. That to me is where it's going to, where the rubber is going to meet the road. This is playoff football. This is what the Jags have done. The Jags don't want to let Blake Bortles uh, control their destiny and, and have to rely on him. Look, we we saw what happened to Blake Bortles in the, in the last week of the season, did we not? When they were playing against uh, San Francisco, and he's uh, I'm sorry, uh, oh, no, he didn't play that game, but in his last game, he threw two interceptions in his last game against Tennessee, and in the week before it was against San Francisco. That's right. I'm sorry, it was um, three interceptions trying to come back. Right? These are two losses. These are losses where uh, it it becomes to me on them not being able to produce from that passing game. The San Francisco game was such a weird game. I'm not, I won't, I won't, you know, necessarily blame that, but that shows you that you can't trust Bortles to truly be the guy that you would put any stock into You, you got to lean on Fournette. Yep. I, I do think Fournette is the best play in this game. Um, on the other side, uh, it's a major question mark. If LaShawn McCoy is out because you'll be looking at what, Travaris Cadet, uh, Mike Tolbert, and, and against a team like Jacksonville with the you know big guys they have up front, Mike Tolbert you know won't even make it past the line of scrimmage. Um, they they need that guy with that elusive play, but I, I do think Shady's going to be a guy who, who's going to tough it out. Uh, you know, never having really what. He's got a playoff streak of his own that's really only rivaled by O.J. Simpson. Um, so I think he's going to be out there. And if he's out there, I think he's got a little bit of upside, even though they're going to try all they can to stack the box with eight players, uh, you know, most of the time. Because, you know, if you could take Tyrod and LaShawn McCoy out of the run game, uh, we know what their corners can do on the outside. Jalen Ramsey's going to put – you know, Kelvin Benjamin in a body bag, even though it might be a plus sized body bag, he's still going to do it. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Charles Clay, if you're looking for one of these tight ends that's not the elite, elite is a guy to look to, though. You know, Jacksonville Jaguars, where they are uh, a week at, is against opposing tight ends. Uh, you know, that's the spot you can attack. Uh, they did allow five receiving touchdowns to uh, opposing tight ends on the season. Um, and, you know, guys like Ben Watson we were, was able to score a touchdown against them. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, Delaney Walker, George Kittle, those guys were 
all able to have a little bit of an impact. So well, I look for those guys to uh, you know be involved. I look for Clay to be heavily targeted in the pass game. Well, you have to, especially if Shady doesn't play. This is where you got to say, where's their offense going to come from? So Clay's going to have to. He's, I think that automatically with no Shady probably gives him an extra five targets in the game. Yeah, it's definitely possible. So, Clay's the guy I'm, I'm looking to, you know, with or without McCoy uh, as the best option in the receiving game. Cool. Should we move it to the final uh, game of the week, which uh, should be a should be a dandy? Sure, but before we do that, let's uh, take a listen to this word from Pyromaniac about episode 300. There's going to be a bunch of different guests, as you already referenced. We're going to be doing a lot of season-end closeout type stuff. You know, I'm sure we'll give some awards. I'll give shit to Houdini for Christian McCaffrey not being a top-10 uh, running back. He'll give me shit for Marcus Mariota sucking donkey dick. It's going to be all good, fun, and laughs. Uh, and, you know, we hope you guys enjoy it. And if you guys have got anything that you want to hear specifically from any of us or the guests, send us a uh, Twitter you know, notification to either Pyromaniac, uh, Twitter handle, or me. Pyromaniac is P-Y-R at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one, A-C. And you can follow me at Pyrostag, S-T-A-G. Um, and just send us a shout-out, and we'll try and get – uh, your suggestion is part of the show. But I want you guys to understand, it's going to be a party. Uh, this is going to be, there's going to be a lot of music. There's going to be just a lot of, a lot of cool, random uh, conversations and uh, memories and things that we did. You know, we're not scripted here. Strictly talking about football. This is the the kind of the, 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 the dream child for, for D-Rex. One of the things that he loves the most is kind of the blending of, of all of uh, music and current events and uh, uh, technology and all these other stuff, and just putting it all together and, and making it be what it is. And that's what this show is going to be. It's, it's, it's a celebration. It's just, it's going to be straight up fun. And, uh, and again, I, I'm going to have to listen to it a few times to probably remember anything that I said during this, the, the, those, the, those many hours that will be long drunken hours. <laughs> All right, let's go last game of the weekend. Let's wrap this up uh, in not-so-typical pyro fashion by getting it done quickly. Um, what you got? Well, so we got the Panthers at the Saints. And uh, this is the one where you have to look at it. Uh, the, the Saints were able to get the home field advantage. Uh, this is a the fact that we have three teams from the NFC South that makes the playoffs is why we're going to have in round one a teams meeting for the third time this year. And Carolina lost their first game uh, of uh, to New Orleans at home, thirteen to thirty four. The second time they played at New Orleans and they lost twenty one to thirty one. And in those games, if you're looking at Cam Newton, Cam Newton threw for 167 yards with zero touchdowns and three interceptions in the first game, also running for 16 yards and a score. And in their second matchup, he completed 17 to 27 for 183 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 
added 51 yards on the ground. Now, the one thing I want to tell you from that matchup that was back on December 3rd in the uh, every game, that game and every game since Cam Newton has run for at least 50 rushing yards. Yeah. Uh, and he's not thrown has, for more than he's only thrown for more than 200 yards once. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the thing is the trade off of Cam Newton's legs right now has been major because it's really affecting his arm. And then in turn that is affecting the projection for, you know, every single one of his pass catchers. Uh, you know, last week against Atlanta in a game they really needed to win, threw for 180 yards on 41% passing. Uh, you know, Cam threw for his lowest yards in a full game, or in a full 16-game season of his career. Um you know, the passing numbers just weren't there, even though he rushed for a career high uh, in yardage, uh, didn't quite do anything near the top of his echelon in rushing touchdowns, but was a very, very good fantasy quarterback. Um, he wasn't the best. Uh, he was right there you know, with guys like Alex Smith and Cam Newton, uh, separated by two points, just really going to depend uh, on how you you know treat those ints in your league um, and and Tom Brady. But Cam was up and down, volatile, especially if your league is weighted towards evening out of rushing and passing touchdowns. Um, he, he does have upside. We really haven't seen it. Against the Saints this season, but you know he's the guy who's picked on them before. I just don't know that they have a, a deep enough group of pass catchers to do it to the Saints right now. No, and the problem is when you're looking at it, the, the number one guy, the guy that really kind of made a lot of hay for everyone uh, from like the beginning of November, um, pretty much through uh, about the be first second week in. Uh, in December was Devin Funches. Um, but over his last three games, he has one touchdown and he's had one catch for 19 yards, three catches for 11 yards and two catches for 48 yards. Uh, that's not the production. The targets haven't been there as well. Uh, it's a total of only 14 targets over his last three games and only catching you get that six out of 14 targets. That's not getting it done. Um, in his games where he's played against New Orleans, he had four catches for 60 yards and a score in New Orleans. And uh, at the beginning of the year, he had four catches for 58 yards. So this is not something that's telling me that, wow, I'm going to get a lot of production uh, from Funches. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of production from uh, – the Carolina passing game. I just, again, when you're looking at the fact that if Cam is only thrown in, in his last six games, one game over 200 yards, that's not a lot of yards to go around. So uh, I, I don't see Carolina advancing. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, the way that we saw them kind of fold down the stretch, um, you know, uh, against after having the three wins in a row, right? But what do they do in their division? They lost to Atlanta. Um, was it, uh, they were one and one against Atlanta. They were able to beat Tampa, but they couldn't beat new Orleans. And they always say it's the hardest thing to do is to beat a team three times. 
I don't think so. I think New Orleans, especially because of what Alvin Kamara uh, brings to that offense and brings to uh, frightening a defense, I think that becomes the ultimate equalizer, which is why this is going to be a once, twice, three times a matey, you gone, Carolina. See ya. Yeah, uh, that's actually a little bit of a fallacy that it's hard to beat these teams three times. Uh, Basically, uh, Foxworth, uh, Dominique Foxworth threw this out there. Since 1970, uh, 13 of 20 times a team did so, went 2-0 against the team and played the team a third time they won. So it's actually a little bit more that you can beat these teams three times. Let's see if New Orleans can do it. Uh, you know, wrapping up the you know Panther side, I think you should wrap it up with Greg Olson. He yep. wasn't able to play any of the games against New Orleans this year, but back in 2015, this guy had two games of over 125 receiving yards against the Saints. Uh, the Saints, you know, <laughs> safeties, linebackers really haven't changed all that much. It's really, you know, the corners where they've gotten drastically better. So, you know, maybe a healthy Greg Olson is the difference that they haven't had over these last couple matchups. I, I you know so, what, I, I hope so. But you know, again, it's he got the targets last week, but they were ineffective. He caught one of nine targets last week for ten yards. Um, I, I just. I know what you're saying, and uh, that that was also one of the most horrific all-around defenses that we have seen in fantasy football as well, if I'm not mistaken, by the Saints. Yep. So that being said, look, if I'm looking for this week, it's Kelsey as my number one tight end. If I don't get Kelsey, I'm going Olsen. And then maybe... Olsen over Clay. Yeah, it's, it's Clay, and then, yeah. Uh, no, I... No, I'll probably go Clay, especially if Shady doesn't play. I'll go Clay and then Olsen and then Hooper. All righty. Um, th- that's the one thing I find interesting, though, is can Greg Olsen come in and sort of infuse anything into this passing game? Because um, they, they really need it. I mean, we talk about how uh, the struggles of Cam Newton. Let's flip over to the other side. Let's talk about the Saints. Um you know, the running backs are where this team has really gotten it done, you know, all season long. Uh, you know, Mar- Mark Ingram in the last matchup that these times these teams played, 14 for 85 and a touchdown. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara rushed nine times for 60 yards and two touchdowns. Also caught five passes for 66 yards uh, and, and no touchdowns. The other time that these guys matched up, Mark Ingram, you know, 14 for 56, uh, Kamara two for 37 and a touchdown uh, as a runner. It's going to be hard to stop this rushing game. They haven't been able to do it this season. Uh, You know, the first time these two teams played, they they even had to deal with, you know, Adrian Peterson. He rushed for 33 yards. Uh, I'm liking what the run game has been able to do here. Uh, I do think it's something that can continue. Um, And I look for the Saints to have, you know, a lot of success. Uh, And that includes Drew Brees. Uh, I think his only three touchdown game this season came against Carolina. 
Yeah, and, and also when you're looking at it too, you can feel good about Michael Thomas as well. Michael Thomas had uh, in their first matchup seven catches, 87 yards, touchdown. In his second matchup, he had five catches, 70 yards, touchdown. So uh, the guy who scored five touchdowns on the year, two of them came against Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the rest of the pieces for the Saints, you know, between Ted Ginn and Willie Sneed and Brandon Coleman, uh, I don't really have a Weasley player there. I guess it'd be the deep shot speed of being behind his former team uh, in zone coverage and just being able to take one to the house. But I don't have much conviction about that. You know, Sneed, one of the major, major disappointments of the season. Uh, Coleman, you know, this guy just seems to be out there, but he makes boneheaded play after boneheaded play, and it just really makes you scratch your damn head. Yeah, th- that's the problem. So this is also where it becomes interesting. So um, looking at it, when you're looking at all the players that are out there, like who's the guy that you want at quarterback? And to me, I think that we're both in agreement that Jared Goff is the guy that everybody wants, right? Um, is Drew Brees probably the next guy? And I'll take it just based on this matchup and and – what he has been able to do, but you're right. When it comes to Brandon Coleman, when it comes to uh, to, to Ted Ginn, or it comes to anybody else uh, here in the passing game, I I don't. I'm not feeling the mojo. I, I would say, and this is the one thing: being a guy who had Drew Brees as his quarterback on the year, you know, you expected at some point in time that you would have had at least two or three big connections with Ted Ginn that went for a score, at least two of them that go for a score. They didn't happen. So um, is that the Weasley play that's going to make it happen? This team has become so run through that running game and using those running backs as wide receivers that I don't see them all of a sudden escaping Ted Ginn. But if I'm going to pick my weasel of the game, he'll be the weasel. I mean, he did have, you know, a pretty big game two weeks ago against Atlanta, averaging nearly 20 yards a catch calling it a touchdown. Uh, they just haven't come as often as you'd think, uh, but he's basically Devery Henderson, and we know De- Devery Henderson could have done it once every four games or so in a season. So may- maybe he's due. Maybe he's due, you know. Well, um, he, he absolutely has to be due. I mean, but this is the other thing. His longest catch of the year was 54 yards. So for a guy who the previous couple of years it was 88 yards, 74 yards, you know, super huge big play. And, um, you know, he just pretty much has been put up the almost the exact same stats the last three seasons in a row, except for the touchdown explosion that he had with Carolina back in 2015. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Uh, You know, the tight ends on this team, pretty much non-existent. Uh, th- what they did was they really stopped doing it. Uh, they're like, hey, these guys sort of suck. Why throwing it to uh, our you know better players, throwing it to the running backs? Yeah, and, and because you can't – now without Kobe Fleener too, who is a better, bigger body for them, at least to have an option for a tight end in the red zone, Josh Hill is, is really not going to give that to you. That's not going to be a weasel play. You know, is he going to be the weasel who steals a touchdown? Uh, if anything, he'd be stealing the touchdown from from one of the running backs because that seems to be where most almost every score it's either going. You got three players: it's either Thomas, Kamara, or it's uh, or it's Ingram. 
I, I nothing to disagree with you there. Yeah. Uh, good show, buddy. I don't have much on this game. You have anything on going on with the happenings of the NFL? Do you want to toast to Dowell Loggins becoming the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins? Is that something you're excited for? That's. I think that's just absolutely hilarious. It, it makes me feel better that the Bears did not sign Adam Gase as their uh, head coach. Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what you can see in Dowell Loggins to make you think that that was a good idea. So, yeah, dumb. Let's hope that uh, yeah. let's hope our fans <laughs> are not as dumb as they have been year after year after year. <laughs> and go dogs! Come on, Georgia! All right. Uh, well, thanks for listening. We hope you give a listen to show 300. Uh, I don't know if it will be out Saturday with how drunk Noonan's going to get, but I look forward to hit your ear balls, ear waves, sometimes, uh, along, uh, you know, beginning of next week and or Sunday. Good luck. All right. Later, bud. Later, buddy. Have a good one. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.